Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with Comic CTMs. CT Adams, how the hell are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me today. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I follow you everywhere you are. I mean, I'm trying to beg you to get a Twitter account, but in the meantime, I enjoy you on uh, Instagram. You are CTA Comedy, but also your CTAComedy.com. And I guess you also have a, a YouTube channel that's easily easy, easy to get through via CTAComedy.com. Yes, I try to make it easy. Oh, yeah. Real quick, tell me what you got coming up, because I think this drops uh, January 9th. This drops uh, tomorrow. Uh, what do you got coming up that you're excited about? Oh, sure. Well, I got shows um, here in Los Angeles. Uh, January, you know, 10th, 14th, 25th, 20, whatever. You can find me on Instagram. Have I think people that want to, people that want to find you will find you. Um, yes. Also as a side note, if you want to find me on the wine side, my website is thewinejerk.com. Because yeah, he's super serious about wine, but we're going to try to make it hilarious because of course, if anybody can, it's C.T. Adams. <laughs> Have you been on Hot, Med- Hot Medusa comedy show yet with Sue on Weaver? Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, the show that I'm doing January 28th, I'll be hosting Hot Medusa Comedy Show. So come out for that if you love comedy. She said it's going to be outside, which is amazing yeah. for COVID. But then I remembered, oh, shit, it's kind of cold. But she said it's going to be heated. But then she reminded me that L.A. is not very cold right now. How cold is it out there? Oh, it's not very cold. Uh, we did you have the snow? Cold. You didn't have snow, did no, you? No, no snow. We had a, you know, a cold snap last week where it might have dropped down. We might have had some frost in the morning. <laughs> and then it was in the 50s. Uh, but that's you know that's that's California cold. You had to put on when your blazer. Used to for ninety-eight that. degrees, uh, forty-eight degrees is cold. Oh no! You, know, you have to pull out pull out the blazer that you're sporting anyway in some of these pictures. Well, that's it. You know, right? <laughs> well, I lived in Colorado for a short while before uh, coming to Los Angeles full time, and uh, you know, here in Los Angeles, you you keep your coats for more than one season, which is unheard of if you live in a wintry town, because you get no use out of it. Because you wear it every day in a wintry town, but here in LA, it's three times a year. So, whatever you, buy, you know, that's why it's always a black leather coat. It's whatever looks good. Yes, classic yeah. look. You can't. Yeah, you buy one fashionable winter coat and it lasts forever. Yeah, it never goes out of fashion if it's black leather. Um, are you Are you really serious? I mean, you said winejerk.com. Are you the wine yeah. jerk? Yeah, I'm the wine jerk. Winejerk.com. That's how yeah. I started. The reason is, uh, I'll just tell you, it's because I don't care about price or points. Now, if you work a lot in the wine business, you know, I mean, obviously we all know what the price is, but the point system, it's a zero to hundred point system, but really it's like an 85 to hundred point system. You know what I mean? And so people here, it's like a pitchfork or Rolling Stone or Siskel and Ebert, two thumbs up or whatever you want, you know, five-star Uber rating, so to speak. Um, and I just realized that you can't, you know, in order to, to sell wine, to push the enjoyment of wine, you have to kind of go against the system and they're, there's the name. Also, my very first job, I was a soda jerk. If you have any old, old listeners. Oh, so that's, I mean, you, so you're not a jerk. It's just kind of a callback to soda jerk. Were you, were right. you a jerk even when you were a soda jerk? Well, uh, not when I was a soda jerk. I was, you know, I was a kid back then. But okay. as a wine, you know, I didn't realize I was being so mean towards these, what I'm going to just call top 40 wines for the rest of the show. Okay. You know, it's the same way with top 40 music. It represents what's popular. It does not represent what you like. So, so, so tell me how it's different. So like, uh, I mean, you put on classes and things like that. I'm looking at your website, yeah. ctacomedy.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for the wine jerk portion of the website, let's look at it here. Yeah, I do all kinds of private uh, events. Most people feel, honestly, I feel like it's easier to teach people in private. They kind of don't want to be embarrassed or they don't want to play the gotcha game. And um, so I just try to come up with the real classic knowledge. And I just want to show them how this classic knowledge will 
help you in all forms. So are you working uh, comedy into it? Well, you know, that's how I kind of got my start in comedy was people uh, were paying me to come to their house and make them laugh for an hour. And one guy wrote, uh, you know, oh, I got my laugh on and got my drink on and got my learn on. And I thought, what a, like, man, I should put that as my logo. Yeah, I was about um, to say, where is that on the, the winejurst.com? <laughs> that, that should be it, right? Get your drink on, get your learn on. Because it's not, I mean, you know, if you come to their, you, you come to their house or whatever, and you, I mean, yeah. do you kind of go That's anywhere? At the, to house. Their conference that, room? at the house. Uh, okay. No, I go to the house. Okay, so a typical one is uh, usually people pay for like the hour or the two hour tasting. Okay, okay. I show up with the bottles of wine. We go through each wine and I kind of explain. I don't try to overload. It's usually four or five, six wines. And then what I do is I, you know, you got all the wines open, you got the new knowledge, then I leave, you know, and you and your friends can party all night with your new knowledge and with these wines and enjoy yourselves. And so how do you pick the wines? Is it different for every uh, house? Do they give you some preferences? uh, Whatever they like, you know, preferences. If you just want to learn about the basics, ABC tastings is anything but Chardonnay, anything but Cabernet. Um, You know, sometimes like a trip to the basics helps people remember why they like something, you know, so people get a, reputation about Merlot or Pinot Noir. Uh, I don't know if you remember the film Sideways, but that changed the trajectory of my career entirely. Okay. Awesome. Uh, that movie came out and everybody decided they wanted to learn about Pinot Noir. Okay. And everybody decided that Merlot was going to be the bad, the bad wine. Oh, that's the corporate bullshit wine. Uh, and you, and you knew about is, wine, you knew about wine. And so you had to educate people otherwise. Right. And so most, I mean, I spent a good two years just talking about that movie. Every time people came in the wine store, that's all they wanted to talk about. Is, are you based in a wine store or were you at that point? Um, I was. I was. Okay. I used to work in Studio City and okay. um, right here in Los Angeles in the Valley. A very old wine store, really fun wine store. Um, actually, this is the same liquor store, wine store that um, Adam Carolla worked at. In the- <laughs> <laughs> That's how long it's been there. It's hilarious. Although when I was there, it had sold to some new owners. So it's not quite the same, same. <laughs> but uh, yeah, now I'm independent. What I try to do is I try to let people know. I try to take the scary out of wine. You know, my whole thing is that if it's not... Uh, a delicious wine to you, you know, who cares? Right. Right. If, if you tell me that this song won a Grammy, but I don't like the song, I really don't care. Yeah. And I guess that's a good analogy because, you know, all the top 40 shit, that's you know, what I mean, I tell like there's people. probably I mean, better songs that are just like it by indie artists, right? Sure. I mean, is Titanic one of the greatest movies of all time? No, no, it's not. <laughs> I'll just say it right on. I'm, I'm an expert here, Brian. You're talking to an expert. No, it is not one of the best movies of all. And yet it won. And so therefore it must be respected. You know what I mean? And so when you do with like, um, so here's, here's, here's what I used to do for some of my clients. Cause I had some, some, we'll call them heavy hitter A-listers. Okay. okay. And I, I taste them on a wine and they go, Oh, this is delicious. I want to serve this at my party. Um, how much is this? And I go $40 a bottle. And they go, oh, it's too cheap. <laughs> oh God. Oh, they'll laugh me out of the place. Oh, it's gotta be at least a no. hundred bucks a bottle. Oh, and no. I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> So I set up a tasting for this guy. He comes in. I got seven bottles lined up. They're all a hundred dollars. Okay. I go now taste these wines because you're you've already bought these wines. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm just going to charge you because you can afford it. Yeah. Drink. Up. Let's drink these wines. Okay. So we try all seven wines. He says, "I don't like these. I do like these." I go, "No, you like them all because they're all a hundred dollars." <laughs> right. So even if you don't like this wine, which I can see on your face, you don't like it, you're going to serve it because it's a hundred dollars. And he was like, why would I serve it if I don't like it? And I go, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so you talked that person down to a $40 so bottle. so all of a sudden they were like, all right, you know, we settled on like some $80 stuff. There you go. It was fine. <laughs> but my whole thing is drink what you like. Here it is. Here it is. Three rules for wine bliss. Okay. Drink what you like. Like what you drink. Don't drink white Zinfandel. 
Now, why not? What if I like white? Well, I mean, if you like it, it's fine. But just understand that that's not real wine. That's like the Kool-Aid of wine. Okay. I'm drinking Kool-Aid. Yeah, it was absolutely a mistake. It was a process called stuck fermentation, discovered by a very lucky man named Bob (laughs) Pinchero. Most of the time, they would throw that out because they would consider it bad wine. But he was like, F it. Let's just bottle it. You He's know, drunk. if you would just say, say, he looked at that whole stuck fermentation and looked at all these gallons of wine and just said, I'm just going to send it. Yeah. And then boom, a legend was born a million dollar mistake. Well, I guess, I mean, that, that kind of, um, you know, let's talk, let's talk real quick about kind of, I don't know, the role of passion and, and hobbies and side hustles and, and all that stuff when it comes to comedy. Like, um, because you're not always just entertaining in the form of the winejerk.com. You're also, you know, doing stand-up. And so kind of, you know, do you have to be passionate about what you're talking about on stage? Do you have to be authentic? Um, I feel like it's a combination of both. Um, You know, if you are a hardened road veteran, you know, sometimes you're kind of unconscious while you're given your best sets because you've been through the material thousands of times. Yeah. And so you're kind of looking for cues within yourself as opposed to when you're really like kind of unsure of yourself and you're really looking to the audience for cues. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all, it's like every art form, I suppose, you know, in the beginning, you hope somebody will appreciate your version. And then at the end, you kind of, <laughs> if you really live to the end, you become a tyrant and you're like, now my version is the only version you should enjoy. <laughs> like uh, you're as an, all good comics are. Right. Right, right. right. Well, I mean, like, so how are you, I mean, what are you passionate about on stage when you're not talk, kind of entertaining through wine? Like, oh, how sure. did you kind of discover that? Because, like, at what point did you discover wine? Before you worked at the wine store and that's why you worked there or because oh. of the wine store? <laughs> well, I started off as a bartender many, many years ago. Okay. I grew up in Palm Springs, California. Okay. And uh, I was a bartender. And one day I discovered that I liked the wine people more <laughs> than I liked the vodka people. It's like improv or stand-up or something like that. Right. Four glasses of wine and you're still kind of stuttering and you're fine, but four glasses of vodka and then I got to call the cops on you. (laughs) So uh, it just kind of gradually went from there. I get like uh, temporary jobs at wine stores and it became very, very easy for me to talk about wine. Um, Then I had a uh, uh, back injury that took me out of the wine uh, bartending world because I just didn't have the power to stand. Okay. So after a couple of years of rehab, I kind of got back into it slowly. And I just discovered that the wine world was a little less physically strenuous than bartending. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of just led me to it. I moved to LA and because I wanted to be a wine guy and there just wasn't that, you know, it's hard in the desert. It's hard to keep wine cool when it's 110 degrees out. Uh, but so- here in LA, there's lots of places that are, you know, years old, lots of tradition, lots of wine, lots of people to buy your wine. But that also led to me discovering that I did not like what I would consider, you know, the top 40 wines. Right. I always was finding uh, better, intricate little secrets, uh, some known, some not so well known. And then that kind of became my palate for wine was like, oh, instead of this, try this. And eventually you realize you're kind of on the independent side. Yeah. Because that's a choice. I mean, it's like, you know, writing about Taylor Swift for Rolling Stone or being kind of an indie but well-respected, you know, Stephen Hyden who used to write about music for Grantland or whatever. Like, I suppose one is more lucrative than the other. Like, like, do sommeliers at the best restaurant, you know, four-star restaurants, do they make a lot more money than, you know, somebody who's pursuing the indie route? Absolutely. And, you know, I never went the route of the sommelier because to me that's like, 
it'd be like getting a degree that I would never use. Yes. Because sommeliers yeah. are really about the selling of wine and I am really about the enjoyment of wine. Uh, My whole thing is, you know, if you drink it, like it. If you don't like it, push it away. We'll find something else for you. Surely I can find, that was kind of my, my superpower was being able to, you know, like I said, and you use that in comedy, right? Not that, uh, well, I don't like to do a lot of crowd work, but sometimes you have to, shit happens. And you need to assess the situation and then react accordingly. And since you're an entertainer and the object is to sell, you know, you kind of want to give the audience what they want. Right. And for me, I assume that the audience wants a thoughtful, you know, well-written joke that's crafted and, and, you know, told in a funny way. I like to look at it like we're all kind of in the same shit together, observing it. I don't yeah. really like the holier than now comic or the, you know, uh, too, I don't go too much in the, like the neurotic Richard Lewis type. Okay. Uh, I just feel like it's been done so much. You know what I mean? Okay. But listen, I like to talk about everything. You know, I don't even talk about wine very much in the act because right. I save those jokes for when I'm getting paid to do wine stuff. Oh, yeah. In my act, though, I feel like there always needs to be a kernel of truth in your jokes. Yeah. You know, if a joke comes out and it's about something on the news, um, which we have, we, we call those kind of late night jokes, you know, because yeah. you know that everybody's going to be writing a joke about it. Uh, you know, you need that to even be kind of like understanding. Where's it coming from? Is it worth talking about? You know, and if it is, let's find a way to incorporate some truth instead of just, you know, like I don't go pure whimsy. But so my, my question though is like, you know, you being an indie fan, of course you have your favorites. Okay, if this guy likes this $400 bottle of wine that tastes like this, he's going to really love this $40 bottle of oh, wine yeah. that tastes like this. And so, and, and I guess my, my question is, you know, on stage, um, how are you kind of detecting what your crowd's going to be into? Do you have anything in your act that kind of works as like kind of Rorschach tests or something where oh. you're like, oh, they're really getting that first silly joke. Oh, and they're really hating that second academic joke. Oh, sure. I see what you're saying. I don't really plan that, but I feel like every comic should have that. Like you should definitely have kind of what I call escape routes. Oh, yeah. Escape routes better. Yeah. You know, um, if some, if, uh, I mean, Bill Hicks used to say, um, uh, you know, whatever you do, you're not married to any of this shit. Yeah. You know, if something happens taking you off on a tangent, never go back and finish a bit. Just move on. And that um, that is a bit of, I mean, that's a principle I abide by. You know, you know, I, I don't like it when comics go, oh my God, I'm sorry, what was I talking about? I get it if it's like a half hour bit and you were, you know, something really bizarre happened. Yeah. But like to me, the opposite of comedy is to look into your phone and to say, gosh, what else did I want to talk about? <laughs> That's like, we should just do only Zoom comedy. You should right. not be and so you don't believe in kind of breaking down that fourth wall, even if it can get in the dish. Oh, no, chocolate. listen, I'll pull a note, but I'll have respect for the audience and I'll write it on a white card or I'll yeah. have a piece of paper. I just feel like the electric, I know that we all live on our phones now, but I just feel like that piece of the fourth wall is such a disconnect oh, Okay. to go out and like, oh, let me take a picture of this crowd real quick with my phone. Yeah, so I can tag everybody in the selfie, yeah. Right, and I'm like, oh, okay, but, you know, when does the joke portion of your act begin, sir? Or madam, whatever you, you know. But something like, what, 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 what material are you really like? You're like, man, even if an audience doesn't get it, I'm, I'm really passionate about this one thing, and I really need them to hear it in, in some sort of way. And so you keep knocking your head against the wall being like, Oh, Man, sure. I love this. It's like I love this indie wine. You know, I love this. Indie, I love this indie <laughs> sure, material. Sure. How can I work there, it? Everybody in? has that, right? What's yeah. like your favorite, but then nobody gets it but you. Like, yeah. So what? What is that for you? Kind of what's the subject um, you're passionate about? I tell you exactly you what it is. It's okay. um, bipartisan uh, uh, 
um, like I'm tired of both parties. So I would say a bipartisan fatigue. Okay. I'm tired of it just being about like, I'm, I'm saying this Trump joke because I want the, the anti-Trumpers to laugh or I'm saying yeah. this Biden joke because I want these. And I am, I'm tired of your material being the dividing line. Yeah. I, I make fun of everybody because to me, they're all, I mean, I'll just tell you the name of one of my bits is, you know, all presidents are shithead to me. <laughs> That's my nickname for every president. Okay. You know, like, look, this shithead that just got in the White House, you know, he's just got to calm down and let's let shithead get to work. He's got to make up for the last shithead, you know, and it's been that way my entire life. Every president from, you know, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush. And is it something you know, they all have in common or can you point out uh, I don't each know what one was? I feel like that there, it's almost like that old uh, Groucho Marx joke. You know, I wouldn't want to be a member of any society that would invite me yeah. to be a member. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like you have to kind of, you have to do evil to get even to that level <laughs> of being like Jimmy Carter proved that you can't be a nice guy and be a good president for America. <laughs> Because they're just the opposite things. So, you know, but my whole thing is that it's like literally two sides of the same mirror. I understand there's ideological differences. But when you tell a joke, as soon as you say certain words, people assume that you are on a certain side of a fence. And then yeah. they've decided that everything out of your mouth, you are the enemy or you are an ally, even if you are or are not. Or even if you don't know that you realize that you triggered them with a certain word. So do you take the words out or do you play with the notion that they've been triggered? Um, I'll go both ways. Okay. Uh, you know, because to me, the wordplay is where comedy lies within. Okay. You know, that's every great joke is, oh, I thought you meant, you know, oh, forehead, you know, like it's, it's that, that's every premise. You know, we thought that like, if you know anything about the sitcoms of the 60s and 70s and 80s, most of those half hour episodes would be about 12 seconds in modern day time because you would just text the guy and go, did you say you were coming tomorrow at three? And he'd be like, no, I said next Friday at three. Oh, cool. See you next week. And then the credits would roll and that'd be the whole show. Uh, but the, um, the classicness of our, you know, true communication and true uh, miscommunication, I mean, and dysfunction, that's kind of the, you know, the driver of all comedy. I mean, I'm sure you've seen Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right? I've, been I've been avoiding it, actually. It's just, yeah, I couldn't get into it, man. It's just, well, is it improv? Me, it's like improv listen, or something. It's the, it's the same joke over and over. Which this is? gentleman gets into a very, it's, it's like Mr. Bean or Bugs Bunny or any of those kind of shows where you have like a main character and then every show is just him getting into wacky situations. And it's, it's because of why always, he's, his temper and he holds a grudge like Costanza right, or what? Right, okay. and I mean, who knows? Listen, I know I'm not shitting them. Those guys are geniuses making millions of dollars. Who am I to judge? But okay. I'm just saying for me personally, it feels like there's other ways to express your comedy. Like, you know, not everything has to be a misunderstanding. I, I don't know. I, right. Not everything is the same joke. Okay. So but I then how do you do I mean, do you dwell on that? Do you clarify oh, you that know. uncertainty or what do you do? I mean, like, do you, do you often talk about politics on stage? Um, it depends upon how I'm feeling and also how the, the audience is feeling. You well, know, for example, do you have a January COVID. 6th, do you have a January 6th insurrection joke at all? No. Or do you leave it out because you just hate the divisiveness of it? No, that's a good question. No, you know, the truth is, well, I do have bits about the Michigan protesters. And so I realized that in order to upgrade it, you're going to have to include the January 6th protesters. Ah, in you that. thought Michigan was it. <laughs> you know, iceberg. well, because the Michigan was so insane that I'm like, yeah. there's nothing that could top this. Yeah. You know, those stories were incredible. Um, 
you know, like bring an M16 to fight the COVID. Like the COVID doesn't understand the firepower, you know, and the COVID also doesn't understand that it's January 2022 because the COVID doesn't understand the Gregorian calendar or seasons. And so I don't think that it knows it's supposed to go away because you have a gun or because you're tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so like that kind of logic, sometimes it's hard to break through to people because they don't get it. But I mean, so how can you even elevate something that's so zany as the, I mean, it's awful, but zany as the Michigan thing. Like, why did you focus on that as something that I really uh, have to well, dig into this? They, well, a lot of people feel like that's how they feel. You know, people right. like, well, if, uh, you know, look at history, it's going on now. The Michigan militia. I lived in Michigan for a short while when I was a young, young boy. I was like five, okay. five and six. Okay. And, um, and then I had to go to Michigan for work um, for my career uh, when I was still in the wine business. Um, and so I like Michigan. You know, I like it's beautiful. It's a great spot. I mean, everything but the cars and the potholes, you know. But um, like Michigan has a huge population of uh, people from Iraq, you know, call um, what are they called? Calderian Christians? Really? Chaldean, Chaldean, Calderian. Yeah. I'm getting it mixed up with some other sect, and I am embarrassed to even say it, but there's this huge, and they almost entirely live in Detroit and San Diego. Weird. And I was like, what? Why? Everybody yeah. I met in Detroit had a cousin in San Diego. And I thought, how funny that people don't know Michigan for what it really is. You know, Gross Point and the bridge and Mackinac Island. And okay. like, and they don't understand how Flint has just been like left behind yeah. with all this terrible stuff. And to me, but then they're, but they're focusing on trying to kidnap the governor and how I don't want to wear a mask. And like, so in your joke, do you talk about that? Like, do you talk about the fact that there's like actually legitimate things to be pissed off about? I mean, Michigan? a little bit. Like, okay. I would be mad and I would really be mad if my water was poisoned the way the yes. Michigan water was poisoned. And yes. I think that if it had happened and, you know, let's just be real. If it had happened to a whiter, richer community, I don't think that it would just be underground story for 10 years. Yeah. So the M16 you know? to the Capitol wouldn't have been that. Uh, well, there might have been some sympathy there stand, or empathy. You know, there, yeah. listen, I get it. You want to fight the tyranny of the government. But that yeah. tyranny didn't start with the coronavirus. Have you ever tried to own a small business? Have uh, you yeah. ever tried to own a property in California and gotten these bullshit taxes? And, oh, and you do feel like, boy, I feel like taking up arms against this and fighting for what's right. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's let let there be no discretion. Like that is how you feel. Yeah. But I think that you know the the measure of success is to achieve and not to blame. Yeah. You no, know? I am not a very successful comedian okay. okay is that because i'm not grinding enough or because i'm not marketable enough or because i'm not blah 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 and who knows okay. but i can't sit around and wait for those things all i can do is just make my act better is you know come on your podcast and talk about some fun stuff and like just get myself out there yeah i get it you know and i understand you can't do the same thing and expect different results yeah however there's something to be said about you know committing whether it's to a bit or to a, a goal Right. You know, and then following through. But I love that. Like, wh what would that look like for, for a comedian to kind of grind away and then get so pissed off that nothing's working for him or her? Or they like, you know, they go to where? They go to the comedy cellar. They go to, I don't know, the comedy chateau or the comedy store. And they, they what? They kidnap Mitzi Shore if she were alive. Oh, I know. That seems like a plot to a movie. <laughs> what, well, you should like, write like, it. Put absolutely. me on. I'll be funny, you know. Bud Freeman Jr. kidnapped. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know what? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it is for other comics, but I uh, well, you know, once again, COVID has changed everything. Zoom changed everything. OK, because trying to, you know, Zoom comedy is totally different. And it's almost like the difference between improv and stand up. OK, you know, to me, Zoom comedy is like throwing your jokes into the void. 
Yeah. And you hope that the it's all it's we, if you ever performed in a really large room where you're separated from the audience and maybe there's TV cameras in front of you, okay. uh, it's what that is what it feels like because you're like nobody's gonna like this shit. Here I go, <laughs> and then you just like wow, and but it happens. And they pipe in laughter, and you're like, that's Somebody, not how it was on stage, man. They were like oh yeah, well that's the, well that's the old A and E at the improv stories, right? When like you go, just act like you're killing, and we'll we'll sweeten it up later. <laughs> But they don't have to do that for C.T. Adams. They can book C.T. Adams for their own home and he'll bring the wine, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I've been doing these Zoom tastings, which are fun, too, because once again, we don't want to drink and drive. We want to get that, you know, the first thing I tell my clients, alcohol is poison. Okay. okay. Alcohol is poison. <laughs> but you're going to drink. Drunk, well, getting drunk is the yeah. first sign of poisoning. It, it is very enjoyable. And we like that. Yeah. So we poison ourselves. You know, the second sign is when your body says no more. And that's when you decide to throw up, right? I'm going to eject. Okay. And the third time is when your body just is like, no, I'm going to shut down. And that's when we pass out. Oh, so if that. you mess up any of those steps, you know, artificially stay awake, uh, then the alcohol will really be uh, poison to you. And you really oh, could God. have the next day. I, I can't believe also, you know the other side. You're the, wine, you're the wine jerk. And you're, you're admitting some of these uh, painful truths. This is what I'm saying, dude. But the truth is the only thing that will set you free. Okay. And so you might as well, if you're going to poison yourself, you might as well enjoy the $40 bottle of wine that uh, C.T. Adams has shown for you. That is, thank you. That's well, good. Great. Follow him everywhere I do. He's uh, CT, CTA Comedy on Instagram. I'm begging him to get a Twitter, but ctacomedy.com is where you can find that YouTube, but also The Wine Jerk if you give a shit about good tasting wine, right? And a good time. Yes. And, and a good time. That's yeah. the key. Because yeah, what, what's the tagline again? You you drink. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Drink what you like, like what you drink. Don't drink white Zinfandel. <laughs>